In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, welcome to the second hour of In the Locker Room, and this is uh, always a fun time because we welcome in a great friend in the locker room. That would be the coach, Tom Bradley. Tom, how are you? Well, I'm doing really good. Hey, by the way, a quick question. Is Max is on the show, right? Right, he's here. Correct. Okay, I'm hey, here. Max, I got you beating Wolf one-on-one in basketball. <laughs> I got a 10 spot that says you can take take Wolf's game down. I've seen it, Max. <laughs> yeah. And I know uh, you, you know basketball I, 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 sure I know that. how you play, Max. I'm, I think you can take them left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, even better because I am. He is left-handed. That's the secret. That's the secret. Wolf was a wrestler. He was a wrestler. He wasn't a hooper. Come on now. <laughs> like I said, my my one claim to fame was in one high. I actually played ba- on the on the varsity basketball team after I got cut a couple times. But anyhow, <laughs> I, I went in the game. I was put in the game with one minute left in the second quarter, and I started the third quarter, and I fouled out like eight minutes into the third quarter. And my coach is looking at me, shaking his head. Said, "Are you trying to get, you know, get, to get to fall out?" And I was like, "No, man. You just you follow the ball." <laughs> Now Max wonders what what the heck did you and I talk about when we did Wednesday show? He's, he's wondering now. <laughs> the worst moment. Hey Tom, what was the worst moment when we were doing the show together? You remember that? You lost your notes. <laughs> I left them at home. I'm sitting. Oh, man. Tom is sitting where I'm sitting right now, and I was sitting where Tunch used to sit, and we're 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 there prepping for it, and all of a sudden I go. Uh-oh. <laughs> I left all mine. Punch <laughs> used to listen to the show not to get informed, but to just laugh. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've come a little ways from those days, but yeah, we, we had some rough starts, didn't we, Tomo? <laughs> uh, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Oh well, another team that's had a little little tough couple tough uh, tough couple weeks. I got it my my verbiage correct here. Tough couple weeks is of course the Pittsburgh Steelers are going into Lambeau Field, which is you know one of the things Max and I love is the history, and I'm sure you do. You appreciate the history of the NFL, and going to Lambeau Field is huge. But really, what awaits there even more so? Aaron Rodgers and a guy named Devonte Adams, and I tell you, Tom, it is reminiscent of Ben Roethlisberger in the heyday with Antonio Brown. They are very simpatico in the way that they are, they approach throwing the ball and, and the receivers that they are. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, he, he, I think Aaron Rodgers is the best pure thrower in the NFL. I mean, if you watch him, I mean, you know, he's got that, that great release, okay? It's yes. Quick. You know, he's got – he recognizes he's always under control, and, and and I you know I judge a quarterback by you know he, by poise, patience, and judgment, and, and all those he's an A plus guy. Um, I, I think he anticipates well. Obviously, his field vision is is exceptional, and I think his arm strength is you know you know is is I think 
probably the best in the league. Uh, just a tremendous quarterback and a real challenge for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Devontae, just, you know, watching him, okay, he, you know, he's, he, you know, he, he's, he's hard to jam. He's got really good upfield uh, release quickness. He can accelerate. Um, he, he locates the ball, obviously, well. He tracks it well. He's got good hands. He's, you know, I, I, I find him to be a guy that, um, you know, he, he's, he's got ball discipline. He secures the ball. Um, just does a lot of good things. Uh, and he's obviously, I think, one of the top five receivers in the league. Yeah, Tom. I mean, and when you're looking at how the Green Bay offense runs, um, they also like to spread the ball out, right? Because you still have Lazard, you still have Van, Valdez Scantling, and the second you try and key in on Devonte, you you find yourself trying to lose yourself trying to keep up with the other guys because they also play their role so well. I mean. If you're in that position, you have the DBs and you're in the meetings. I mean, in your mind, what what are you thinking about as far as that pass coverage? What is the combination for that? I mean, is it more zone because of that? Or, I mean, do you still try and bracket or put a second guy so you layer Devontae? Uh, I mean, how would you approach it? Because that's well, you're gonna what do I'm it. trying to break down, yeah. Obviously, you've got to do a little bit of both. You can't just do, you know, live on one or the other. And a lot of it's going to depend on down, distance, score, a lot of different things. You know, what I think is a case there where you're obviously with Devontae, you can double the star, or you could double the stars. You could pick another guy, double double somewhere. You're going to play your zones. Uh, I think Coach Butler does a great job mixing that up with the way he devises his three, four, and five man schemes. Um, I think that's one of the things that's really over the years. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, you don't go 75 straight games with a sack if you're not doing some things very well in the secondary. So I, I think they'll they'll pick their poison on what they want to do based on the, obviously down distance and score. Tom, when you look at the, this this backer offense, one of the things I look at is Devontae Adams, of course, but Aaron Jones. He's a he's an, a, a very good back. But when you look at these two these two guys, they get, they account for 50 percent of the receptions. You know, they've got probably, I don't know, a dozen guys that have recorded at least a grab. But it's these two guys that predominantly, uh, predominantly uh, get the targets and the receptions. Matter of fact, if you go to, um, if you include Marquez Valdez Scantling, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams, that's two thirds of all the targets thus far in the, in the first three games. Yeah, the ball goes through those two guys. There's no question about it. Um, and. They're accomplished football players. You know, if that's good or bad, I don't know. You know, uh, if you start watching the Steelers, you know, how much does the ball go through Najee right now? You know, almost right. 45% right. of the time, you know, goes through him. But those, you know, part of the thing is that, you know, the, the, the because they can run the ball, it opens up the pass game. Because they can pass, it opens up the run game. Right. Okay, so they're, they're, they're you know, they're not a, a – a one-man show by any stretch of the imagination, and that's a, it's a very difficult offense to defend. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things when I look at them, it, it, and then the defense plays complementary to them. And defensively, you know, they, ha they have some good guys on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, looking at it from that position, if I'm the Steelers' offense – I mean, what? Where do you see there being a particular uh, weakness 
of the three levels, D-line, linebackers, and secondary, where does the, the matchup advantage come into play in your mind when you look at them? I think if you're watching them, the one thing you obviously, I think it's all the time, you want to get that run game going. I mean, you guys both played in the offensive line. You know how important it is to get the run game going. Because if that, that, that That's right, they, Tom. That's right, baby. All right, all your talk about shuffle steps, back steps, all that stuff in the secondary, you realize that it takes a cultured mind for the fat guys up front. You got you to gotta give them some love. Way to go, Tom. <laughs> I knew I'd wear you down after a while. Yeah, you see what I put up with, Mac. But anyway, I know he pounced on that one. He was he was ready. He's probably rubbing his hands together right now, like, oh yeah, yeah. Hey, oh boy, I get the hold. Oh yes, sir. I don't get caught. I didn't get caught on that play. Way to go! Way to go! Didn't get caught. Nice job, hugging the jersey. Stay close. You know what I'm saying? Oh boy, unbelievable, unbelievable. But I, I think you get the run game going. I think then you're up your pass. You know, and oh, you guys know how that works. So it's no magic to it. Uh, it's something you want to get going. And um, and plus, you know, anytime, you know, that run game is still the best defense you have, right? Because, you know, you're standing on the side watching the, uh, the, the play go and you're, you're resting your defense and they're not on the field as much, so they're fresh and you can keep your best, better players in the game. How important do you think it would be to get Alex Highsmith and uh, T.J. Watt back? <laughs> Uh, in some shape or form. I mean, you know, the the problem is with the groins, you never know, you know, if that thing is fully healed until you're kind of, you're, you're going 100%, you know what I mean? And you don't want to set back your, your, your pass rush by, by getting these guys back too early. But at the same time, uh, looking at this, you got David Bakhtiari, the, the, the great tackle, is out for the Packers. You got a couple guys in there that, that have – given way to some pressure um this is an opportunity that you can go in there and get some pressure and you got to get pressure on aaron Rodgers. i mean there's just no two ways about it no you know you know the Steelers have i think five sacks this year and three of them are by tj yeah Uh, so his importance there and you know alex you know they focus on tj then you get alex going on the other side and and alex is going to be a really good football player just watching him practice last year he's got all the tools and all the skills and uh, i think but you're right these groin injuries can be tricky as you guys have both played, you know, and, and it's one day you feel good and the next day, not so good. So, you know, hopefully they'll get him back. And, and I know it's next man up, but when, when you don't have a guy like TJ there, that, that sure affects a, a lot of your defense. Um, if we can't get both of them back and, we have one. I mean, looking at the game last week and seeing kind of how that rotation went, you know, because you do have some inexperience. I mean, is it something where you try and manufacture the pass rush by using more dogs? Or do you just say, hey, listen, we got to throw four at them and keep the box and keep the zone as much as possible? Obviously, I know you have to mix it up. But I mean, what? How would you? How would you get to that that rush? Is is it use, utilizing more slants and stunts? You think at the line of scrimmage to help free them up, so you do get that support on the backside. Uh, what what is like in your mind? Just some of the things that you think that has to be accomplished in this game to know that you're having the effect that you want. You're going to have to mix it up, obviously, because you know any any dose you give. Aaron Rodgers are the same thing. Isn't going to be good. He's going to figure it out. So I look for Coach Butler. Hey, he'll give him three, four. He'll give him some fire zones. He's going to mix all those things in there and try to keep them off balance. 
And, you know, once again, it's going to depend on the score and, and the situation. But I think he's going in with enough in his arsenal to, you know, they're not going to let him just sit back there. They're going to have to, you know, keep him thinking, too. It's going to be that little chess match, as you know, goes back and forth. And, you know, how much does he want to single up on these receivers or not? And, you know, so they'll um, they'll just have to work that out during, during the game. But uh, I, I think the thing that can really, you know, help you is if we can get our – the ground game going again and, and I think that and get that defense so they're not on the field too too long. Well one of the things that you can do to really shorten the game, <laughs> one of the things you can do to really take some of the pressure off the defense is to control the ball, possess it, keep Aaron Rodgers on the bench. But again, so much of that has to be has to be done with getting some wins on first down. And one of the things that I think the the Steelers have lacked besides the fact we and we've been talking all morning about trying to you know speed things up at the beginning for the deep for the offense the Steelers have really suffered just getting slow starts Tom and one of them I I was telling Max about one of the the situations we did at Syracuse University where we were playing Pitt and we warmed up at Manly Fieldhouse about half a mile away, and Pitt was out there warming up an arch pole, and it was like, oh, you know, because we weren't starting fast offensively, so Frank Maloney was just trying to shake it up and do something different. So we took a bus up right before kickoff. We come out on the field, and we still got pasted. It's really nice. There's nothing you can do gimmick-wise, you know what I mean? As you know, But you've got to start faster. You've got to be able to have more success on, on your first quarter quarter possessions yeah no question i think that's one of the, the things that for whatever reason they haven't started fast but um wolf um just for the record i did play against you at archibald stadium you might want to look up the score okay <laughs> here we because go you you were actually winning that game for a little bit with hurley the quarterback you were winning for a little bit but then it Went south on you. Was, anyway. it, was that 77? I think it was. Yes, it was. It was you know exactly. I know. When Bruce Seymour, the tight end, dropped the ball all by himself at the five-yard line. I remember that one. Here we go. See, Max, what we talk about, we digress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you yeah, wonder, it's always a flip. <laughs> exactly. Hey, go ahead, Tom. Max, Max, when you were at the University of Florida, Thank goodness you didn't have to ever play at Archibald Stadium. What a, <laughs> it was what a, a great place. It was a rock pile, wasn't it, Tom? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Tom. A lot of history, Wolf. A lot of history. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to the locker room, Tom. Always appreciate your perspective. Appreciate your, the memories, especially when uh, I screw up here in the studio and you laugh at me all the time. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tom. That's hey, the coach. You know, small things please small minds. You know that. <laughs> and, uh, yep, exactly. That's Tom Bradley. Appreciate you, you brother. All right, we'll see you. Right, thanks, Tom. All right, we'll be back after this with more. We got Jerry Dulac coming up, and we'll talk a little more football right here in the locker room. Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. 
All right, we're back at it. And you know what? We're, you hear that sound? It's the cool breeze. Jerry Dulac, Post-Gazette and Steelers Game Day radio host. Would you please welcome back into the locker room, brought to you by William Penn Tavern, Shadyside, $8 Bud Light, 60-ounce pitchers for all Steelers games. Jerry, how you doing, my friend? Well, Wolf, what a treat it is for me to be with my two favorite linemen turned broadcasters from two different eras. <laughs> Boy, is that true? <laughs> Boy, it's, also, that it's also something yeah. else beyond true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you just emphasize the era. I remember one time with Max doing a hit for something after practice. He's standing there his pads. And, and, and for perspective, I stood in front of him, and I had the microphone. I said, just to give you a little perspective on different eras, we at one time right, played right. the same position. And he's like, his head is like right above mine, you know. He's towering right, over right. me. And you let go, wow, that was a different era, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, good, good Lord, is that guy big. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, do I got to ask you something. How was the court? Did, did you go to the coordinator Thursday? Was, was that where you're at? Uh, well, Wolf, like this show, I wouldn't miss it. I guess <laughs> I was over there. And, you know, um, you know, you guys always ask me what was the most intriguing thing right. uh, that I heard. And if you don't ask me, I tell you. Okay. Um, and to me, not to continue to belabor the point, but only because, let's face it, if that wasn't the worst fourth down call or play that you have seen in your professional lifetime, it is certainly right near the top. So right. there obviously are different descriptions of what that was supposed to be. Uh, Mike Tomlin said, if you're looking for something to describe what an awful day it was, just point to that play. And he's right. Ben Roethlisberger said after the game that the, um, you know, the, he, he threw it to Najee in the flat and thought they'd get some blockers out there. And, you know, he might be able to, to turn it into a touchdown, if not a first down. And um, when you see the replay, there, there's no blockers out there. The, the linemen were, were protect, pass, pro, pass protecting, and the receivers were headed to the end zone. And so that, that wasn't the case at all. And so Matt Canada said today when I asked him about, you know, could you explain that, that play, what was the call and what was supposed to happen, and, you know, quite naturally, he tries to skirt it as best he can. I mean, Matt's, uh, you know, he's, he uh, speaks from the uh, coach's manual. And he said, well, it was a bad play. You know, that's on me. He said, but we had guys in the end zone. So, and, you know, and Ben said after the game, we wish we would have thrown it in the end zone. I wish I would have thrown it in the end zone. So, um, you know, basically what he's saying is that play was supposed to go in the end zone mm. uh, to the receivers. And... Obviously, it didn't. And, you know, fellas, I can't sit here and tell you why. Uh, I still don't understand that play. Uh, you, based on the replay and what Matt said, you could see what the call, I, I'm guessing, might have been. And the other problem I had with the play, it wasn't like, not that it's time for a trick play, because it's not, but it's not like you're going to sneak Najee Harris out into the flat after he had just caught eight passes on those previous two drives. So they, you know, they were going to sit there and look for that little quote check down, if you will. And that wasn't even much of a check down because that was snap, dump the ball off and not even go through the reads. And that's the whole thing was just perplexing, if not horrible on, on many fronts. 
I mean, do you, I mean, I can't. I, I don't want to say it was a cop out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, with, with with the read and the decision, but I mean, do you get a sense like after talking to Matt Canada, just where they're at as far as the identity, like as far as what you know a clear cut about what he feels they kind of do well. And obviously I know he's not going to give away the secret sauce, but I mean, was there, was there something that he felt confident about as far as what he saw from the game, anything he could glean that lets us know, Hey, we're moving in the right direction with this offense. I mean, did, did he, did he give up anything along those lines? You know, Max, in the time that I listened to him, um, because you split your time. You got to split. Yeah. Yeah. And you never, you never want to miss the Keith Butler show, Dad Gummit. And, and <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Gummit, some gun. And um, but, but, but while I did, no, he didn't. All but one thing, you know, is what she stresses every week, which is true, is, you know, everyone needs to do a better job, you know. And he was asked about, you know, how do you start, uh, get Ben started fast? You know, Ben brought this up the other day, and I go back to 2004. When he was being honored at the Dapper Dan dinner as the man of the year, and I'm on the dais, and I'm sitting next to his college coach, Terry Hepner, who has since passed away, unfortunately. Nice, nice guy. And I remember Terry telling me at the time, teasingly, about how, I mean, teasing about Ben, that he is a notorious slow starter, always has been. Mm. But once he gets going, he gets going. And, and if you look at Ben's stats, basically through the years, certainly the last two years and even this year, the numbers support that. And Ben brought this up the other day, and he brought up Coach Hepner, who used to tease him about it, about him starting slow. And, and, and so uh, Matt Cannon was asked, how do you, you know, get him going faster? Well, that's the million-dollar question. Uh, Ben's, Ben's posed it to himself uh, many, many times. And, and one of the ways you can do it, now, Matt Canada didn't elaborate on this, but, fellas, and, and, and you guys know this, one of the ways you get some juice in the offense and, and start going up-tempo is go with that no-huddle. Well, you know, Ben has kind of dissed that whole no-huddle attack of saying it's not the same way. He used to have 50 to 100 plays at his disposal. Now it's just a two-minute offense with 10 to 15 plays. But, but when Ben is in that attack, his numbers improve dramatically. And, and that's the way, that's one of the ways to get this offense going. But, you know, they haven't scored a, four, a point, a point in the first 24 minutes of any game. So, you know, when Matt Canada is asked how you can get, you know, get things started better, well, you know, he gives the standard answer. We have to execute better. We have to do a better job with our play calls, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, that's a generic answer that uh, still doesn't uh, say how you do it. If there is a way to do it, if there's a formula, of course, they would use it all the time. But it's one of the things, look, they need to do uh, better. And that's get off to at least a better start because now you're just putting too much onus on the offense to eventually perform better and way too much onus on the defense to try to keep the game close, especially like last week when you're missing four of your front seven starters. No question about it, Jerry. One of the things that Max and I were talking about here in the locker room earlier was the fact of going with a little more no huddle, 
doing something right. to pick up the pace and try to quiet the crowd a little bit and take advantage of the fact that that seems to be one of the things that stirs the drink that is Ben Roethlisberger as far as, you know, spreading the ball around and getting it going. And I was asking Max, you know, do you think that the no huddle with the silent count and, you know, the, the code words and all that stuff would be beneficial? Max, I do believe you were on board with that. It could uh, happen in a, in, a, in a hostile stadium is what I'm saying. It, it, it could. It could because when you're going at that pace, the crowd can't keep their volume up the entire time. Right, And right. they're going to get tired of yelling and screaming if you're converting and you're hitting three, four yards a clip, and then you hit that big play. And it really takes the crowd out of it when you're constantly on the ball because they want to watch as well, not just worry about screaming. But when you give them that break in the huddle, they get, they get, they, they get to rest their voice and then, and then charge back up again. But if it's constant, you're on the ball, you're waiting, you're going, it kind of takes the crowd out of the rhythm of the game and will help them more. But, you know, like I said before, Ben carried a a no-huddle offensive package, which was, like you said, our words and about three different formations. And then the two-minute offense is a set script of plays out of one formation just left and right. So, yeah, there has to be some nuance, and I don't know if Matt Canada feels comfortable with that, but Ben – that's when we were at our best when I played with Ben was when we had that no huddle. You know, you had a racer, you had the pencil plays, you had, you know, mm. you had Gator, you had all these different ones, taxi, and you could just deploy it. It was taxi left, taxi right. Okay, let's go pencil right, pencil left. And you just, you kept them going at all times. And Ben felt like a conductor in the backfield, right? That traffic cop at the big four, four-way stop. <laughs> that He's just directing the traffic and getting it going. Um, why, you know, that, that's just my question is, have they developed that relationship yet? Him and Matt Canada to create that in this offense, or is it just saying that, no, we have so much motion and everything else. We can't afford to add another menu, um, of, of plays aside to not, to not have to worry about for the rest of the guys on the field, even if Ben can handle it. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably uh, a part and parcel of everything that's going on. I, think that that fourth down play the other day is a microcosm of the disconnect between what Matt Canada wants to do and what Ben Roethlisberger either is doing or I don't want to say is capable of doing in that offense. And I'm not saying it's a butting heads type of relationship. I'm not saying it's an adversarial relationship or that that I don't like this and he doesn't like that. I just think it just points up between the way Ben is accustomed to the no huddle, the way he would like to run the no huddle, the success the success that they have in the no huddle, the fact that there really is no no huddle. It's just that two minute offense as you just described, Matt. And 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 the play call the other day. Um, you know, I understand you don't want to throw anybody under the bus, so you get these vague answers or explanations about what happened, but it's apparent that there are two different explanations. And again, that's just all part of the disconnect. What's, what's happening with Matt Canada's new offense and the way Ben is accustomed to playing. And, and where, where they come to a happy medium, uh, I'm not sure, but it's apparent, you know, with the decisions they made in the offseason and the debate about whether Ben was going to come back is that they don't want to play it the way Ben has always played it. They want to change. Ergo, they bringing in having Matt Canada come in, 
changing the offensive line coach, changing the scheme, changing the technique, changing the personnel. You know, they want to they want to operate with a different offense, not the old Ben Roethlisberger offense. And you can see it's just okay. I know it's only three games, and maybe it takes a little more time. But what we've seen so far, it's it's apparent that there's there's a big disconnect there. Jerry, has there been any sort of uh, anybody talk about what what's going on with Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt? Is there? Uh, 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 but said, but said, you know, when he was asked, he said, "I hope so." Um, in terms of them playing, I expect T.J. Watt to play. Uh, last week, uh, th- it was their intention to have him play. It was T.J.'s intention to play. But the fact that he got that close to at least being possibly able to play tells me that he'll be able to play uh, this week. I think we'll get a better idea today, Wolf, as to, um, you know, uh, Thursday practice, always a lot more telling than any Wednesday practice. I think we'll get a better idea uh, with Alex Highsmith. But I don't think there's any question, Wolf. I mean, let's face it. You know, when Mike Tomlin talked the other day about you played your strengths and away from your weaknesses, well, the Steelers either didn't play to their strength or show their strength defensively against the Bengals. No sacks, no quarterback hits. Let's face it, fellas. They've led the league in sacks each of the last four years. No team has ever done that. That's the strength of this team. And when they can't do that and create turnovers, I know they got the one, um, but they're not creating turnovers. And uh, their pressure is number one priority. And and that just uh, hasn't been happening. And again, when you don't have those guys in there, um, you know, there's going to be a big drop-off, especially when you have to play rotate two outside linebackers who have a total of 47 NFL snaps with Melvin Ingram. And that's the other thing. They don't want Melvin Ingram playing 50-some snaps a game, not at, not at age 32 with his knees. They would prefer 25 snaps or maybe in a rotation for Melvin Ingram. So to me, that's one of when you're talking about playing to your strengths and away from your weakness, uh, not having that outside pressure um, is obviously a big, big factor for this football team. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us in the locker room, my friend. Appreciate your insight all the time. Well, fellas, Thanks, always Jerry. good chat with you, and I'll see you at the frozen tundra on Sunday. <laughs> all right. And that's yes. Jerry Dillack, brought to you by William Penn Tavern, Shadyside $8 Bud Light 60-ounce pitchers for all Steelers games. We'll be back with more after this. and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Well, baby, I was watching some film, and you were watching the same film, Max. You're talking about somebody wrecking you. That Jair Jair Alexander, if I'm saying his name correctly, I got to get the pronunciation down. All right. He looked like he was playing that outer third and cover three, the deep zone. Came across when his receiver went inside, you know, on the underneath. And he just covered some serious ground to get back where George Kittle. I mean, 
Tell me about it. Was that something when Kittle – that ball was George Kittle's, as you said. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and here's the thing. It was single high, and Jair Alexander was playing, from our view, he was playing the top of the screen because there was two receivers to the top. Kittle was, was on the left side of the formation, and Jair saw the slot break, break off and, and come back, and he, 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 high, he high pointed the ball. He, he caught it in the air, but then his track – I mean, he covered at least 20 to 25 yards, Wolf. Oh. Uh, in the span of like two seconds and the ball was perfectly thrown for George Kittle to make an in stride catch Jimmy G put the ball in the right place Jair just made him wrong because he covered closed and then got over the top of George at the last second and caught the ball in stride it was one of those things where you you know we're like oh my god the Steelers need to throw the ball deep I'm like this 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 is not exactly the right time to do that. Um, if if they're giving you shell of, of any kind, take the underneath all day, every day. Because the one thing I will say is that the inside backers, which is Barnes and Campbell, right? Right. You know they're they're okay in coverage. They'll, they'll hit their drop zones and everything, and they're great at catching a back out of the backfield and sitting down on it. But when you get some of those middle crossers, they kind of get lost in the wash. I mean, that's what that's what you had with uh, Brandon Ayuk, and we're talking about the San Francisco game from Sunday night. Uh, you know, ha- ha- had, had some great success. And George, even early, uh, Kittle, he even had some nice little hook routes where he kind of went on the seams and kind of came back to the ball, and Jimmy kind of hit him right on the spot. And that kind of softened him up a little bit. But that was your one – when you're talking about, hey, we need to have a shot play, that was one where you're like, nope, 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 not taking that <laughs> shot. That shot, that shot was the best shot I had, and he just ate it. <laughs> yes, exactly, so, man. Yeah, and then they relied, and then San Francisco then pivoted, right, and they went to a more run-heavy type of offense yes. with Trey Sermon getting a lot of, lot of doses at the running back. And Trey made hay. So I, that's where I look at this, and I'm like, we can run on these guys because they'll be spread out enough, yep. and we have our receivers. You still got to worry about Chase. You still got to worry about James. And then if we get Deontay back, that that's the matchup nightmare that you don't want. So you're going to want to commit more guys and play the cover three that they feel very comfortable in, right? They want to play three as much as they can. They'll play press and situational downs, but they're more of a zone type of defense. So what happens in the zone? Zone is I don't want you beating me over the top, and yes. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you don't beat me over the top. So take the underneath. Take the path of least resistance because – the biggest thing when you talk about big start, like getting a fast start, it's consistency. Right. It's getting the first down. It's chewing up yardage little by little so that you lull them to when they do get into a press situation. You can't hit them over the top. But if you're not giving them a reason to get nosy at the line of scrimmage, then there, there's no way. you got, you got to take what they give you, and you can't create or press something. Now, Aaron will do that. On the, de- uh, on the offensive side of the ball for Green Bay, right. it's our defense, he'll throw it because he's anticipating a, a, you know, a pass interference call, which he does a lot of. If you, if, you, if you watch not only that game but watch that Saints game, he's trying to throw the deep ball when you go single high because he knows that a DB is going to touch his receiver at some point. No question. Draw the attention. So he, he's very good at getting that hidden yardage. But on our side – 
they want to play zone because they want to prevent that because they get that every day in practice with Aaron. Right. right. No you question. Know, they get that. So they know what that looks like. So you're not fooling them from that perspective. So they'll play fence. They'll play cover three. They'll play two and they'll play a, a shell two and they won't go two man. I mean, unless you give them a reason to play two man. So that's where you're like, okay, if they're going to go zone, we got to sit down in these zones. Pat Fryermuth, I need you. I need you to hit, sit down at the zone. Uh, you know, if, if if I'm Juju, if Juju plays, Juju, I need you in that zone. Najee, I need you in those zone pockets. Those are the three guys that give you the underneath because you're using more Chase and more uh, Deontay for the deeper stuff, the deeper routes once they do give you single high or no high. Uh, that's when you take advantage of those guys. But, uh, but yeah, you got to play the zones. You got to be smart. You can't get greedy with them. You kind of have to take what they're giving you early on. It's like going through the lunch line in elementary school, right? You don't really get a choice. Uh, they, you know, they got the little predisposed pockets, and they just pass it down the line, and they put it on there, and they hand it to you at the end. That's what you have to do early on in this game. No question about it. I like the, you know, the comparison to the lunch line. It's always a favorite time of mine. No question. You know, what I mean, but yeah, square. <laughs> hey, rectangular pizza day. You always you, love you it. Never knew what that. What that sausage-like material was, but you ate it anyway. That's right. Or the mystery meat meatloaf, you know? I mean, those, oh, those are yeah. all just beautiful. Covered in gravy, kids will eat it. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> but here's the other thing, too. You know, on the front end, and by the way, you know, your analogy of the, the screen game, I'm sorry, the um, zone game, and the fact that, uh, you know, you take what they give you, one of the things that, that works right into is the no huddle. And being able to come out and being able to fast pace it and get after it. And this is one of the things that you can accomplish, not worrying about going over the top, not worrying about those things right now. Come out and get get Ben heated up a little bit. And I think this is an opportunity to go in there and kind of shake things up if you can. Uh, and, and the other thing about it is the guy that really impressed me on the front end, I, I, I told you before, was Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark is a yeah. beast. This guy here, you watch him. I can't wait to watch how Trey Turner and Kevin Dotson, how Kendrick Green, they're going to go with this guy because this guy is a beast in there. He's, you know, he might not, yeah, I see him some, he'll defeat the, the block at the line of scrimmage. He might not catch the back. He's, he's about 315, 320. He's about 6'3. But I'll tell you what, he is just a trench fighter. This guy likes to, he can, he, he's just impressive in the trenches. Well, he, he, he cuts the field in half in the run game. That, that, that's his job, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he's preventing the cutback. So he's forcing you to have to stay front side, front side a lot right. of things. And, and that's what Kenny Clark makes his hay on. And so you have to figure out how can you get him at least at the line of scrimmage. The stalemate's the victory in this one <laughs> because you, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes, hey, yep. a stalemate is a victory because if the guy's knifing through, all the time and really cutting off what Najee's vision has to be. And now you're saying you have to go B gap or you got to bounce it to the outside where all of our DBs are that you're having, you, it puts you in a conundrum because now it's like, I can't skate out the back where flow is going front side and I can kind of misdirect and hit the backside a gap because Kenny, Kenny Clark's sitting there waiting for you and you don't want to get hit by the three fifteen guy. No, you take your, you take your chances with a two forty and two ten guy. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> If I'm Trey Turner, I'm Kevin Dotson, I'm like, okay. But this is also a 3-4, so you should be at home with this. This is what you got in training camp. This is what you saw from the Steelers' defense. This is base personnel. This is base Oki, and you should be able to figure out, okay, if he's head up on me heavy 
and I'm Kendrick Green or J.C. Hassenauer. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, I want I want to make sure that I'm getting a good stout hit on him so that I give the guard enough time to shuffle over and get vertical and push so that we can get to that backer right. on the inside run game. Because the issue is if the center's quick and he shoots for outside shoulder as it's taking the collarbone, that's where you're going to have a problem. And that's where that's what Kenny Clark wants you to do, right? He wants you to feel like you're not going to be fast enough to get to our backers. Right. And if you create that in him and he gets a little bit of penetration, he's going to feast off of that mentally. And when you have Preston Smith off the edge, which is going to be a challenge for the tackles and the tight ends to press because he's going to want to press right into you. He's very good on the run on not getting logged because he knows that if he gets to the outside and there's green grass, it's trouble. So he's going to always press inside shoulder down to right. take that shoulder away and turn the tackle. So you've got to do a really good job mentally of staying square, staying on the angle, but also staying on the front level defenders. Those first level defenders are key. You don't get anything until you get that first level taken care of. So hopefully that's the emphasis with, with Adrian Clem and that offensive line today. Uh, well, for the rest of this week. Well put, you know, I mean, because I, I was not at all impressed with their linebackers. I thought I thought Barnes, and yeah. he does a good job. Devondre Campbell, he does a good job. But, I mean, there's nobody that scares me up there, you know, ex- no, no. I, except for there's Kenny no Clark. There's no you know, there, there, there's, No, there is Kenny no Clark piece. on the front line. That guy, that's going to be but, a handful. But he's the D-tackle. Yeah. Yes, but exactly. But he's the D-tackle. And, and if you go no huddle, you wear that guy out. Yes, bingo. Yeah. Hey, hey. The helmet has to get tapped yes. if you're going no huddle because he's that big with, with undersized guys. So you can wear him out with the no huddle. And especially if you're going at an angle that's constantly where he has to fight pressure, you wear him out. You wear him down because there's constant conflict. You can't get into the game of we're going to run away from him. No. We can't get into that game. You have to take the fight to him, and you have to keep it between the tackles early on. Well, I like your analysis. That was well-spoken, well-put, and I agree with you, man. Just as I look at, at Kenny Clark, that's going to be – and the other thing about it, too, is you know you run away from him. Cut him. Cut him. Make him get, yeah. climb up off the ground and bench press himself off Nobody the ground. Nobody wants to do push-ups. Yes. Nobody wants to do push-ups in the middle of a game. Especially <laughs> us. Well, Max, that's a wrap yeah. for today, my friend. Thank you so much, as uh, usual. Appreciate your insight. Appreciate all you do here in the locker room. Thank you so much. And, folks, appreciate you guys and uh, all the callers. We'll be back with more. we got to have a little more pregame scouting as we get prepared for Green Bay and coming up uh, this weekend. So thank you for joining us in the locker room. For Max and I, we'll see you tomorrow.